1: Welcome everybody, wherever you are, especially if you're lucky enough to be here in Alaska in September, my favorite month. Thank you to our show producer, Scott, for a great job on the intro. And Scott, I love that music. It's got a great beat. Full disclosure, people, I did not pick the music. Scott picked it. And it's kind of like a sports talk show, but I'm good with that. So my kind of, my kind of music, I think. But like the man said, let's get this party started. I'm Suzanne Downing and my co-host John Quick is on the other mic. Scott Levesque, he's our producer, he's on the soundboard. This is the Must Read Alaska Show, a place for conservatives to exchange ideas about Alaska politics and to test out the trends and talk about what's going on and sometimes maybe some other stuff like bears and fish and celebrities or Bigfoot sightings. This is our inaugural show, and it's a, it's a big fun day for us because um, Must Read Alaska has really made some strides in the past few years. John, you made me promise that once we reached 10,000 Facebook followers and 1,000 YouTube followers, we uh, launched this show. So here we are. We've got over 12,000 followers now on Facebook and 1,200 subscribers on YouTube, and I don't know how many subscribers we have on our podcast, but are you ready to roll out the show?
0: Suzanne Downing, I am ready as ever. I'm so excited to roll out the must read Alaska show with you. Our readers, our listeners are amazing. You know, we uh, recently, uh, we were number two ranked news website publication in all of Alaska, which is a huge deal. Last month alone, we had 1.3 million impressions on the website, 360,000 people did post engagements on our Facebook page. We are growing, and we are excited to have you on board for the show to listen in. The viewers, we're excited for you.
1: Yeah, and 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 so you know this this particular show. I wanted to start out with the concept of sort of the power of one, and uh, this this show needs to be. Uh, about different political leaders and thoughts and ideas around the state. But I, I really want to start out with the power of one and what one person can really do to help out this election cycle. So if, uh, to talk about that, I just wanted to tell you about the interview that I had with the Washington Post reporter last week. And he was here in Alaska, and he was poking around on some stories and he interviewed me for about an hour. And one of the stories that he's working on is whether or not Congressman Don Young is actually going to be able to beat Elise Galvin this time around. And now this reporter, his name is uh, Henry Olson, and he's an opinion writer for The Post. And I believe his story is going to come out next week. He knows his stuff. He's studied his stuff. He's done his homework. I have to admire that. I believe he's somewhat of a conservative. So I I basically told him this. Don Young has a a great campaign team. He's already a household word in Alaska. Everybody knows the word Don Young. And and he's kind of getting to the point in his life where he's really so cool because he's an old guy who just keeps on going and everybody's sort of looking at him saying, you know what, I just hope I'm doing that well at his age because he is awesome. He's doing a great job. And I think that the public is willing to let him go one more round. So, uh, you know, after that, I expect that he'll probably retire. But if Elise Galvin wins this time, I don't know. I just think that um, she'll never make it the second time around. I mean, he's not this right wing guy like Barry Goldwater, or, you know, he's just an Alaska who works for both sides of the aisles. Let me tell you, in fact, I think all of these uh, policy institutes around Washington, D.C., they know him as the most bipartisan guy in D.C., period. He's, he's People get that. But, yeah, con- you know?
0: Cong- Congressman Don Young, he is uh, he is one of the most effective congressmen in the history of the U.S. Congress, and... Alaskans have got to be proud of that. And that's what they've done every two years. They've gone in and they voted him back into office. And Don Young's opponent this round, make no mistake about it, is a liberal far left Democrat faking her way to being what's called an independent. And this is what the Democratic Party sees as the only way to win these types of seats in Alaska is to put one of their liberal Democrats and... pin them up as a independent. And they think that they can trick us and fake us because we're a bunch of dumb conservatives. And I just want folks to know that who this person is. And and she's clearly not an independent. She's pro-abortion. She's been endorsed by Nancy Pelosi. She's anti-oil and she will push the Green New Deal down every oil worker's throat until they are all out of a job.
1: Sure, that's right. And then um, you know the Democrats are trying this trick time and again. She, they're she's certainly not the only one. I mean, Al Gross is doing the same thing. But these are fakety fake, fake independents. They are playing a game of yards like football. Like they put in uh, a Dan Ortiz into the House as a quote independent. They put in Jason Grand. Well, he only lost in one term, but as an independent. So they keep trying this. They're testing it to see how they can convince the voters that independents are really going to be independent. When well, we've seen exactly what they do, they get in there. And and they always caucus with the Democrats because that's what they are. In fact, uh, Elise Galvin, she is endorsed by the Democrats and she's, she's completely thrown in with them. I started calling her Antifa Elise because her daughter is her communications strategist there, communication director, and her daughter posted a huge list on Instagram uh, just a couple of days ago. And it's the list of all of the organizations around the country where you can actually donate money to help bail out all the rioters
0: which is just ludicrous. I mean, if you think about it, Don Young's opponent, if you are out in Seattle or Portland or DC and you are burning down buildings and you're rioting and you're curb stomping people, Don Young's opponent wants to bail you out of jail. And that yeah. is is—that is not okay for Alaskans. And I think that, God forbid, if she were to get elected and she were to beat Don Young, she will only last two years because The voters will see right through the fake independent label that she's been targeted with. And they will see her for her true what she truly is, which is a liberal Democrat. And my big thing is, if you're a Democrat, just run as a Democrat and be truthful about it. And I'll have more respect for you then. But don't try this fake independent thing because we will start to see right through it. And so Um, You know, a year and a half from now, Don Young will probably be his last term, and so you'll see the Republican Party throw some names in the hat to possibly replace Don Young. You'll see somebody like uh, Nick Begich or a Senator Josh Revak or Mia Costello uh, to have their names thrown in the hat. And the person who I really like, I have a bias for, is Nick Begich because he is young, he is a very successful business guy, his. He comes from a family that knows politics, and he is a conservative. And mm-hmm. I think that that's exciting for Alaskans to get behind.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so, you know, I know Nick as well. I know, of course, Josh and Mia, all, all of them good people. Both Josh and Mia used to work for Don Young in his office in, uh, in DC. And now both of them are senators in the Alaska state legislature. Where Nick Begich is a businessman. Of course, his grandfather used to be uh, representative Nick Begich. And he died in a plane crash uh, many, many years ago. And then after that, Don Young became our congressman. So some interesting names, going to be a huge primary. And we're going to have to get uh, some of these folks on the show. In fact, I think we're going to have to get Don Young on the show.
0: That would be awesome. You know, and, and I think that he would hopefully love to come on the show. Some interesting data that I found, Suzanne, uh, for this race in particular, the, the general election, is that 41% of registered Democrats Intend to actually vote absentee ballot in Alaska this year, and that's only compared to 16% of registered Republicans. And so we could be two weeks in, two weeks away from the election, and already have a third to close to a half of the vote already cast, which is uh, uh, unlike any other election I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, and um, I, actually, a friend of mine was called by a pollster down in it was in the it was like the San Francisco area code number. And what what this pollster said was, is it was somebody running a push poll. Are you planning to vote for for? Uh, um I think they said it was Al Gross. This was for Al Gross. Are you planning to vote for Al Gross? And my friend said, oh, yes, I am, as a matter of fact. And so this person said, well, then you need to get an absentee ballot because you do not want to go to the polls on election day. You do not want to go anywhere near there. You, you need to just stay away, get your absentee ballot. And my friend was going, man, what do they, what do they know that I don't know? Is it like a threat? If they know something's going to happen on election day? But they're really pushing the Democrats and the Al Gross voters and the Elias Galvin voters to get their absentee ballots in. But that's a very impressive number. 41% of registered Democrats intend to vote absentee. And you know that's going to mean that we will not know what our um, our result numbers are on election night. If only 16% of registered Republicans vote on, on absentee, that means on election night, those numbers are going to be skewed. It might be days and days before we know who wins this election. Big deal.
0: Yeah, it is a big deal. And, uh, you know, I I, I think that uh, we'll see, uh, hopefully we'll see more Republicans come out that can than uh, Democrats. And we'll see uh, what I think is potentially going to be a good day for Republicans. What do you think about in terms of what did you talk about with the reporter? Did you think it was going to be a sweep? Did you
1: not? Oh, yeah, interesting. Uh, well, I, I basically said if they follow the, um, you know, the traditional campaigning model, textbook case campaigning, they will win. I mean, I'm talking about Don Young will win. He's known by the voters. Everybody knows who he is. They're not. He, you know, they can't do any more negative campaigning on him, really, because they already know who he is. And so you can't and you don't want to beat up on him because he's old, because that's like, why would you do that? And so uh, I think if they just stick to their fundamentals and they've got a great team over there at his campaign office. It's the best team he's had in years. He's never had uh, co-hosts of his campaign before co-chairs. He's got Rhonda Boyles and he's got uh, Nick Begich and then um, running the the campaign manager is uh, Truman Reed. And these are really good people that know Alaska. Uh, Nick is a businessman; he really understands data really well. Rhonda comes from uh, Fairbanks; she understands Fairbanks and the interior really well. And Truman Reed was born and raised here in Alaska as well, so he—it's a—it's a good team. And if, I just told him if they stick to the fundamentals, they're going to win.
0: So, what's now, one he, way you think somebody could help on the Don Young campaign?
1: Well, that, thanks for asking. Actually, I was going to mention that. If this is remember the power of one was sort of the theme of the show, and I want to mention to people that if they want to to volunteer for the Don Young campaign, this was probably the last Don Young campaign they're ever going to get to register to, to volunteer on. They should do it and be a part of history. And they can do it um, by becoming part of a phone bank, and that's what they need right now. They need phone bankers. So what you do is you just uh, you get an iPad from them, and it dials the number for you. And I've seen this happen over at the uh, Sullivan campaign where they're all in a room and they're just dialing people and they, they give you a list. It, it, the machine does the dialing for you. You're not having to pick the numbers. They know that they're not gonna send you to least Galvin supporters. They're gonna send you to people who are already Don Young supporters or to people who are sort of in the undecided category. And you just ask them a couple questions off the script and that's all you do. And then the machine calls the next number. And let me tell you, these are very, it is very, very effective. Phone banking is effective and Elise and uh, Al Gross are both doing those, the phone banking from outside the state. So we need inside the state phone banking for Don Young. We need real Alaskans doing the, the calling. And let me tell you, he won by what, 6% margin last time? But, you know, that was 18,000 votes. And and I know that over at the Sullivan campaign, I know of one volunteer who has already done 15,000 calls. So one volunteer can actually make the difference in not just the history of Alaska politics, but the history of the U.S. politics by making sure we hold that seat.
0: So what else did you talk about with the Washington Post reporter? Did you talk about any of the local elections, Dunleavy, anything like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's working on another story, by the way. And it's uh, really just about whether or not um, the recall campaign against Mike Dunleavy is dead and whether or not he's going to get the House and Senate that he can work with. And basically what I told the reporter is... Um, yeah, the the recalls turned out to be a dud, and his his numbers are extremely favorable. I mean, right now he his approval rating is in the high 40s, maybe maybe low 50s. It's just, it's higher than it's ever been, actually, and so right now he's he's riding high. the The recall people are just they're not doing anything at all, but the question is is will he get actual conservatives in the House and Senate, or will he get people who will once again caucus with the Democrats and put the Democrats in power? And that's what happened last time. I mean, he was elected, we had a Republican House, we had a Republican Senate, and then what happened? The House, we had like seven members of our Republican side of our House flipped, and they caucused with the Democrats, they put Democrats in charge, and now we have a mess kind of on the redistricting board because uh, the consequence of that. And I don't know that we're going to have a sweep this, um, of our seats. So I think we've got some races on our hands.
0: The old bait and switch is what they're they're used to doing to us.
1: And we're seeing that. We've got a number of people running as independents this time who are obviously Democrats or will caucus with the Democrats. They just are trying to fool the voters. They skipped over the primary altogether and they're going directly to... The, uh, the general election. And so we're going to have to fight for a few f- seats we haven't had to fight for before. For instance, I was thinking about um, Senate seat B up in Fairbanks, where John Coghill lost to Rob Myers. And now Rob Myers has to face Marna Sanford. And she is a, a member of the assembly up there and has a lot of money and a, a lot of Democrat support. Now, Rob doesn't have a big war chest like she does. And the Democrats are just absolutely salivating at getting that seat. And I don't think that we can take that one for granted. Just because Rob Myers picked it up in the primary does not mean he's going to win it in the general. We've got to focus on that one. Um, Josh Reback, very moderate Republican, I think, in Senate seat M. But uh, they bait and switched on him. The woman who won the primary for the Democrats, the Democratic Party pulled her out and they stuck in Andy Holloman. And Andy is on the school board in Anchorage and he's a very experienced campaigner. He's done, um, you know, a a lot of political work in the past. And I think Josh Reback has a real run on his hands because that's a marginal district. That's a very sort of a moderate district. And so it'll go... One way or the other, we, we can't really pull that and see how it will go.
0: Yeah, like one of the things I heard this week, which was on, your, on our website, Must Read Alaska, is Dr. Liz Snyder trucking her family up to put up a sign on Maldoon in a totally illegal place where she knew it was illegal. And, you know, these are the types of things where the ADN and all these other liberal papers will give uh, somebody like Dr. Liz Snyder a pass, but God forbid if a conservative did that, we'd be put in jail and thrown in the Cook Inlet.
1: That's right. first in jail, then Cook Inlet for you. Uh, well, yeah, actually that spot, it's on the corner of Muldoon and Northern Lights, and um, somebody took a picture of her and her husband, Sam Snyder, who runs the Stand for Salmon people, and um, their kids, and they were like, they're having their kids put up an illegal sign Come on, people. Anyway, but what's really interesting about that was that's up on a place called Loser Hill. So the political people in town know that as Loser Hill because anybody who puts their signs up there is going to lose. And so uh, she's got her sign up there. And then the yes on one people have their sign up there, which is a really good Um, sign for us, the oil tax thing. If they've got their sign on Loser Hill, then uh, apparently they're going to lose. And that's probably just perfect. But the picture is funny because they're nailing the sign to uh, to like a tree. And here she is an environmentalist. He's an environmentalist. They make their whole living off of environmentalism. And here they're like nailing a campaign sign to a tree. Yeah. And if you put
0: it, you know, you put the wrong metal in a tree, it'll kill the tree.
1: Yeah, they're killing a tree. It's bad form for an environmental sign. It's just going, and and it's not like for any noble purpose, like, you know, bears sighted here or something. No, it's just vote for me. I'm going to throw a nail on the tree.
0: And you know that they, uh, another sign that I saw this week was uh, the good Dr. Gross can't get any more gross by sticking his sign up to a stop sign and bolting it not just sticking it but bolting it up to a what looks like is a stop sign up in fairbanks
1: right right that one was up on like cheetah road i think i saw that on facebook and it's like okay you don't know that it's illegal to put your campaign sign on a stop sign come on dr gross that's just crazy yeah i don't know it's you you wonder if if, if when they get called out on if they end up having to take them down you just don't know So we got
0: some other news topics we want to chat about as well. Um, In Must Read Alaska, Dan Fagan, who was one of our amazing columnists, wrote a column, Anchorage Daily News hits an all-time low. What What are your thoughts on that column?
1: Well, so, you know, there was a cartoon in the Anchorage Daily News. You know, they, they have a choice between the cartoons they pick. They, when they pick a cartoon, that's a reflection of somewhat of their values. In other words, if they saw this cartoon and they were not offended, it really tells us an awful lot about them. And it's basically a, a picture of um, Donald Trump and, of course, looking really, really dopey. And he's, he's carrying a, a spray paint can and um, he has spray painted losers, dopes, suckers onto the, I believe it's the Korean War uh, Memorial or, or no, it's Iwo Jima, it's maybe the Iwo Jima. And um, he says, I'm, I'm more into honoring Confederate heroes, he says in the, in the word balloon. And that is just so incredibly tacky. I mean, to say that he was, he's more into honoring Confederate heroes, I don't know what they're thinking over there. But Dan Fagan wrote a great column about it, saying, you know what, they have hit a new low.
0: Yeah, and I agree. It's, you know, I think that what, what I would encourage Anchorage Daily News to do is to stop being a liberal left-wing blog. Now, supposedly, the owners are conservative, but you can't tell by anything they have a right in there. And, you know, we have a lot of conservatives in Alaska it would be nice to get a conservative voice in there every once in a while. And it's a new low when you have a very disrespectful view upon our president and you never show the respectful side. And
1: it would be one thing if they ever showed him in any kind of respectful way. But no, it is a one way. This is a jihad on Donald Trump. And it's discontinuous over there. And I think Dan Fagan finally had enough.
0: Yep. You know, another story that kind of hit, hit tugged at my heartstrings was uh, there's a father uh, from Kodiak whose, whose daughter got into some sort of an accident. His name is Marvin, he's all over Facebook live. So none of this information is private or anything. And his daughter got admitted to Providence and he was not allowed to go into the, the emergency room where his daughter is now located uh, because of the policies that the hospital has that they are so fearful of COVID that the policymakers of Providence are saying, you know, we don't care if your daughter is on life support and is gonna die in 10 minutes, you're not allowed to see her off because we don't wanna break our policy. And I think that sooner or later, the, there will be a T in the intersection of common sense and policy, and sooner or later, these policymakers have gotta steer towards common sense. I don't blame the doctors or the first responders or the nurses, the people up in the cozy leather chairs making bad decisions need to walk on down and talk to this father and figure out how to get him to be able to say hi to his daughter.
1: Yeah, now she's uh, this is a Marvin Abbott and and people may have seen this on Facebook. He he's just down there sleeping on the lawn in front of Providence Hospital and he says he's not leaving until he gets to see his daughter. And now she's a, a, an adult, she's 26, but I did a little bit of research on this and the family's very, very close and he's very close with his daughter. And um, he feels that his daughter in, there in the ICU, she's on a ventilator because she's had a very terrible asthma attack and she's fighting for her life. She does not have COVID. He's willing to take a COVID test before he goes in. And what's outrageous is people are able to walk by him every day, going to work, and they just grab the dirty mask in front, that's a, underneath the car seat, and they can put it on and walk in the hospital and get their, do their job. They can go right up to the patients wearing their street clothes, and of course they wear gloves. and And they they and they're in the ICU. They're wearing goggles. They're wearing an outfit that's that's protecting them and the patient. But you know what you've got is. Uh, people coming and going, they go out on their lunch break. For instance, a doctor could leave the hospital, literally leave the hospital, go out and sit on the lawn and talk with Marvin for an hour and share lunch with him. They could share lunch. They could uh, say, you know, I could give you a bite of my sandwich. Here, take a drink of my my Coke. And then the doctor could go right, right back in the hospital and all he needs to have is his badge to get in through the door and a mask. And so basically, you're, you've got people coming and going all the time. Why can't the hospital come up with a policy that allows family members to see their loved ones who are really in tough shape just to comfort them? I don't understand it.
0: It's, it's ludicrous to me. They've made visiting family political, and they politicized the process to try to even go see your sick family. And it's absurd. And I, I think, frankly, that people need to stand up to this. And call in, write in, do whatever you can to let the hospitals know around the state that they've had enough of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, th- I know the the board's going to meet on Tuesday, and maybe they'll come up with a plan. I hope this guy doesn't catch pneumonia while he's out there. What else have you seen on the on the web that caught your eye this week?
0: Well, we got the uh, Anchorage homeowners uh, have been denied the petition for reversing the homeless hotel plan. Brought to you by the municipal clerk, the municipal attorney, and the ever-failing Mayor Berkowitz.
1: <laughs> Ethan Berkowitz, yeah. how did I know? I didn't know how you're going to set you in that sentence. So basically uh, the group of homeowners there in Anchorage, they started out as um, the Geneva Woods Homeowners Association and then they started their own little nonprofit called something like um, Real uh, Alaskans for Real Solutions to Homelessness um, type of a thing because they don't believe that just this idea of buying up these hotels that are in neighborhoods right next to schools. By the way, uh, the the one hotel there um, at the corner of Northern uh, see it's, it's the corner of Northern Lights or Thirty Six and Old Seward Highway, right next to a little Jewish preschool, and the one over in Spinard next to a school a dormitory where native kids come in from the villages, and then buying up the uh, up the building on Tudor Road, which is the old Alaska Center. Um, And then putting a bunch of services together for vagrants without much of a plan at all. I mean, this group of homeowners and taxpayers just says enough is enough. So they wanted to have the voters vote on this plan, which is a $22 million program. And the city clerk and the municipal attorney, Kate Vogel, said, nope, you cannot vote on this. And so now there's going to be a lawsuit. Um, They're going to ask for an injunction until it goes to court. And what's really weird about this is that um, a lot of the money that's from the CARES Act was gonna be used for this homeless hotel plan for for, uh, Berkowitz, but uh, they've gotta use that money up by December 31st or they lose it. So they're, they're really risking big because this could drag on past December 31st. Now I'm sure they're gonna ask for an expedited hearing, but that doesn't mean it's gonna get resolved because this group is determined and they have the money And they're going to, they'll take it all the way up to the Supreme Court if they have to. They are not going to allow vagrant hotels in their neighborhoods with their children. No, not going to happen.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you live in Anchorage, my advice to you would be to wake up and show up because you have a rogue assembly outside of one or two folks and a rogue administration that are literally willing to do whatever they want to do that benefits their Selves or their agenda or their pet projects and they've shown themselves to be anti-christian anti-semitic they'll let anything they want to have happen during assembly meeting if it fits their agenda but if it does not fit their agenda it's not listened to it's shut down and it's basically thrown in the trash and if you are conservative in anchorage now is the time to get involved sitting on the sidelines does nothing but make it worse
1: yeah and and by the way, for people who are listening to the show today go to our do go to our youtube page it's a uh, it's the must read Alaska page on youtube and it, we've got a great channel there and we've got a lot of clips from different assembly meetings where we're clipping out the things that these radical assembly members are saying and it is it's going to outrage you that's the kind of stuff that they say for instance uh, another story is uh, coming up that involves the how they're gonna distribute this CARES Act money um, to small businesses. They got $156 million from the the federal government through the state. They're only going to distribute 6 million of it to the small business community. And they're going to do it by lottery since it's been oversubscribed because businesses are really hurting in Anchorage. I mean, they are just crushed. So they're gonna come up with like $10,000 grants and you know, lucky you, if you get in the hat and they pick your number.
0: Well, I've heard the first question on the very top of the application is going to be, do you own a business with, or are you friends with Mayor Berkowitz? And if yeah, you check yeah. the box, you get automatically to the front of the row and you don't have to turn in any paperwork. You get a bag of money and you get an ordinance named after you.
1: Actually, actually it was really funny. You know, that's, that's funny. But what happened is, uh, Felix Rivera, the chair of the assembly, basically said a few weeks ago that he was, n- he was going to block any distribution of this money unless it went to minorities. And he, he's, he's on the record. You can go on, on our YouTube channel and see him on the record saying, I will block the distribution of this money unless it goes to minorities. Unbelievable.
0: It is. And, you know, I went to Anchorage maybe a month ago and I can tell you with my own eyes that this administration and this assembly, minus some bright shining stars, uh, albeit uh, assembly Member Allard is amazing, that this administration, this assembly is anti-business. There is nothing about this assembly that gives two hoots about your business in Anchorage. I drove through Anchorage. It was in a zombie apocalypse. And it is a night and day difference. If you drive through Kenai and Soldatna, our businesses are open. They're booming. They're bustling. Nobody's forced to wear masks or anything like that. And we've been open since, you know, May. The mayor declared here, we're open for business. And your mayor in Anchorage has shut you down and basically said, have fun. And we're not going to distribute the CARES money. I'm pretty sure they've spent, you know, $40 of the CARES money. And it's all been on new pencils for Berkowitz.
1: Yeah, maybe so. And, or, or you know, it, it just, it, it seems to work out well for his restaurants. That's all I can say is, it's always working out well for him and his, his uh, people. Well, that's about it for today's uh, inaugural show of the Must Read Alaska show. Boy, that went by fast. A, a big thank you to you, Scott, uh, for producing it. And uh, John Quick, you're doing amazing work at Must Read Alaska. I appreciate you both. And if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. You're making a huge difference, making it possible for us to stand up what's right in Alaska. And if you'd like to support the conservative side of the news here in Alaska, hit that donate button on the right side of the mustreadalaska.com page. And let me tell you, your support really makes it possible for us to stand strong and independent against the tide of big media's liberal spin. Until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. Take it away, Scott.